Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I've really been enjoying this Roman series. I don't know about you. Because no matter how often you hear certain things, you always need to hear it. And again and again and again till it's stuck inside of you. And you don't forget it. Meditate on the word, it says in Joshua. So I just want to remind you as well, you know, a few months ago we did the faith series. And now we're doing grace and righteousness of God. And so these things are not siloed topics. You know, it's really all weaved in as a believer, how we can live. And this is what God's made available to us, His grace, His righteousness. He's already made that available at the cross. And our response is what we talked about a month or so ago about the faith series. Our response to God is faith, believing what He's made available. So with God, it's an open book test. All we need to do is believe and take hold of all the promises that He's given us and live by faith. And we're going to continue today with Romans 7 and 8. And so I've called today's message, Somehow He Just Does It. Does what? Somehow He just makes all things work together for good for those who love Him. And this is where I want to get to. So you need to help me stay on track so that I can get there at Romans 8.28 in the end. But, you know, chapter 7 and early chapters of 8, Paul talks about the law, being law conscious and sin conscious, and how we can still fall in that trap when we're not watchful about being too sin and law conscious, when our minds are stuck there rather than stuck in the righteousness of God. When we focused on that, we actually miss out on what we deserve, on what God's made available to us. And so he talks about the battle raging inside of us, you know, the flesh versus the spirit. The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do. The spirit and the flesh raging against each other. So if we look at the law, let's look at the law. It's not just the Ten Commandments. If you feel you want to be good to earn your salvation, there were about 613 laws that the Jews were subject to called the mitzvot, the laws of Moses. 365 don'ts, one for each day. 248 do's. And they reckon 248 was the number of the number of um, main organs and bones in our bodies. So, if you want to fulfill the law and be good, you can't just stop at the Ten Commandments. So, good luck, and you know we'll see how you go with that. So, what, when we focused on the law, like I say, we strive. It's, it's in the flesh, isn't it? It's in the works rather than resting in the grace that God has made available. And that's why the law is not to be fulfilled by us, but the law points us to someone that we need. We need a helper in our lives. And so self-righteousness is that pride to think we can save ourselves. 
that we're so good, we can do it on our own, God. I don't need you. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, when we live a fairly decent life, we, we forget that we need God because we do fall short. We do need His help every once in a while, don't we? I need a lot. I don't know about you. But when we start having a mindset about being righteous, we remove ourselves from under the law, its curse, and its limitations. And we position ourselves in God, in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus actually made available a higher benchmark than the law. Because he talked about the heart, isn't it? And so we don't, fortunately for us, we don't have to fulfill any of that. It's God seeing us through the filter of Jesus. So as we have a Christian journey, in our Christian journey, when we stay in Jesus Christ, there is a permanent filter that God looks at us by. And that filter is His Son, Jesus, who was perfect. He fulfilled all 613 and more, all the prophecies. He was perfect. And that's why we don't have to strive to be accepted by God. As if you had never sinned. I'll go one step further. Just as if Adam never sinned in the garden. And so when we talk about sin in the Old Testament, sin in the Old Testament was covered by sacrifices. But it was still there. It was covered. Only covered. Sin in the New Testament is annihilated. Wiped away. Redeemed. Remitted completely. As if it doesn't exist anymore. There is a difference between sin in the Old Testament and New Testament and what Jesus had done, because when we come to God, it's as if our sin doesn't exist, because He sees us through the lens and the filter of His Son. So when we come to church, we don't come to church to become righteous. Coming to church is what righteous people do. Tithing is not what we do to be accepted by God. Tithing is what righteous people do. When we do good, when we obey His Word, it's not to get righteous with Him. It's what righteous people do. We just want to do it because He declares us righteous. So how do we do this? As I said earlier, by faith. Not by purgatory, pilgrimage, fasting, lashes, doing good works. We can't. We fall short. It doesn't matter how hard we try. And this is what Romans is about. And so our sin has been taken care by Jesus. Past, present, and future. I loved what Taylor said today. When we take communion, it reminds ourselves of what He's done for us. It's significant so that we don't have to be like timid coming before Him. It gives us boldness and confidence to know what He has done for us. And so sin consciousness can make us timid before God. You know, like a dog who's been beaten and hurt with a tail between their legs. If we are so focused on our sin and our shortcomings, we, we're not bold. We don't have confidence. We can't come to God like, Daddy, just, I need something. Dad, when we sin conscious, we don't have that boldness. But through what Jesus did, we know we can have that boldness. And that's why when you sin, get back on track, straight up. 
Don't wait two weeks to get right with God and say, oh, I've missed it. it. It'll take a while. When you've missed it, run to God, not from Him. He's made so, any, everything available for us to be forgiven. All we need to do is repent. Because then the enemy has got no foot to stand on to accuse us when we run to God. So don't wait two weeks or think, oh, I've missed it now. I'm going to miss it good for the next month. I'm just going to, you know, somehow God will work in me. No, run to God. You have a position of righteousness in Him. So Romans 8.1, let's read. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are made free. It's a status. It's not something we do. It's a status that God has made available. You know, when Jesus looked at the woman in adultery, last week Dan talked about that. And he told her, neither do I condemn you. And he started writing in the sand. I wonder if he wrote all these Pharisees' secret sins in the ground. And as they wanted to accuse her, he started writing. And this guy said, whoa, he's, he's got my number. I better leave before I get in trouble here. And I wonder if Jesus just exposed all of their weaknesses so that they felt they can't throw a stone themselves. And so we are just as righteous today as when we become born again. And Because as Christians, sometimes we feel we all of a sudden grace doesn't relate to me again. I now need to start working for it. After 10 years of being a Christian, no, no, I can't just accept it. There's something more I need to do, Lord, surely. No. You are just as righteous today as when you were first born again. You know, I remember over 20 years ago now when I rededicated my life in England, I had such a hunger for God. I was still very worldly. I still chain-smoked two packets a day. But I started going to Bible college. I started renewing my mind because I knew God loved me. I had a revelation of His love to me. And even though I wasn't perfect, I started just hanging out with God. And I lived in a traveler's house in London, in a six-bedroom, ten-people sharing smelly travelers in a house. But I loved God. And I started talking to people in my house about God. And whilst we were smoking cigarettes one day, I remember I was preaching the gospel at someone and I got them saved whilst we're having a cigarette together. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's not about the outward actions. It's about how our position is in God. And thankfully, because he knew, I knew he was going to walk a walk with me over the years. And he did set me free from the addiction of nicotine. So how do we stay free from this law of sin and death? Very quickly, just two things I want to mention. I've seen this over and over again in people's lives. If you want to stay free from the law of sin and death, two things. Be quick to repent and quick to forgive. No matter how you live, because if you're quick to repent, you stay close to God. And you don't drift away from Him. And if you 
quick to forgive others, you remain with a humble and tender heart towards God and man. And I've seen this so often. Some of my biggest breakthroughs in life have been not because I've been so good. It's been when I've really stuffed up and said, God, I'm sorry. I need you now. Yes, I know what I did, but I need you to come through for me, and he did. And so as we read Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Carnally minded, fleshy minded, carn. It comes from that uh, root word carne, meat, flesh. Our five senses, what you can taste, smell, feel. Or our own intellect, our own ability. And so when you carnally minded, it means you are only focused on the outward, the flesh. What we can taste, hear, smell, feel, touch. Or our own smarts, thinking we've got it all sorted, God. We don't need you. But it, it's nothing new under the sun, isn't it? What Ecclesiastes said: lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So the battle we experience as Christians, what Paul talks about, is the spirit and the flesh. And so, just to recap, you know, there's not enough time to go through this today, but we believe we are triune beings. We are a spiritual being. We live in a physical body and we possess a soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions. And that's kind of the foundation if, if you want to get this, this battle between what we want to do and what we don't want to do. Because when you become born again, a third of you is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit. God, pure God, sealed and the mind is what regulates what comes out of us. And so I've put a picture up there about a, a fluid dispenser, a drinks dispenser. The easiest way I can describe the mind is like this drinks dispenser. It, it's one unit, one dispenser, but it can make multiple things flow through it. It can dispense Coke, soda water, tonic water, Fanta, whatever it is. One regulator. That is our mind. Our mind can either choose when you focus spiritually minded on the things of the spirit or the things of the flesh. And so what is it to be spiritually minded? Is it... No makeup, long dresses, being serious in church. No fun. For me, all that spiritually minded is, is walking by faith and believing in the Word of God. That is it. That's the bottom line it is. When we believe what the Bible tells us, when we believe we're righteous, when we believe His grace, when we believe and have faith in the things that he says in this book, for me, that is being spiritually minded. And we sometimes think of being spiritually minded so outward, isn't it? In the flesh, that we need to do things. But this is what 
It means in Romans to be spiritually minded, to believe the things of God, to be of one mind with Christ Jesus. So, this is what I wanted to get to, that I said earlier. Romans 8, verse 26 to 28. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray or, or as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here it is. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, spiritually minded, who just accept his love for us, to those who are called according to his purpose. And how do you work that scripture in sometimes in the storms of life, the calamities of life, the tribulations and trials of life? Because as we go through our Christian walk, we are faced with trials and tribulations. It's not all hunky-dory every day, is it? And a few years ago, I was challenged with a scripture. I had to do a funeral. And the mum of the son who died wanted me to work the scripture into this message, into my message. It was a tragic funeral. A young dad, two young kids, took his own life. I think it's one of the hardest things, a parent burying their child. And he challenged me to put the scripture in my message because I can't be fake. If I've got to talk about it in my message, I've got to believe it. And he challenged me. And I said, God, how are you going to work this situation for good? Such a gut-wrenching situation. But I believed with her. And that was the start of my journey to see the scripture even unfold in such a tragic circumstance. And God did work all things together. He still is. At the funeral, the, the man, I think he was a nurse, very well known by people at John Hunter. There were so many people at the funeral. It became an outreach, a gospel outreach. They heard the gospel. People that would have never heard the gospel before came to that funeral. And afterwards, I had the opportunity to talk to so many people about the gospel at such a tragic event. And even the family, the kids, the other brothers and sisters who were far away from God got back and they got with a mum and some started coming to church. So it doesn't matter what we see in the flesh. God can always work things together for our Good. And so sometimes in life, when we face with a situation, we sometimes ask, God, what is your purpose for my life? What is going on? But I think sometimes there's a bigger question, there's a higher question we can ask, which is, God, what is your purpose? Period. Not just for me, but what is your purpose that includes all humanity that I'm a part of? Because I don't know 
every single thing that goes on in people's lives. And Lord, somehow you're going to make things work for good. And what I've seen as well, when we go through things in life, sometimes the why is a distraction. When you've repented, when you've done everything you can, and it's, you know it's a spiritual battle, you know you've got a pure heart and clean hands towards God and man, but you're in a battle. All you need to do is stand. The why can be a distraction. Because like kids, you know, with parents, when a kid asks, Daddy, why? Or Mommy, why? You know that why is so loaded, don't you? They're not ready for the why yet. And what's your answer? Just because. Just because. And sometimes, as a kid, we need to understand when God says just because, just because is enough. And we need to let God be God. And the Bible says all we need to do is endure to the end. Don't try and figure it all out. Because the more important thing as I finish, and I ask the band to come up, is to land on verse 35 of Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. For your sake we are in tribulation. We are being persecuted for Christ's sake in this world. Yet, in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ. Nothing you go through in life can separate you from the love of God that he has for you. So it doesn't matter what happens in your life. We live by faith, not by sight, not in the flesh, not what you can taste, you smell, and feel on the news. We don't live by that. We live by this book and every single principle of this book. And that's why somehow he just does it, doesn't he? He does work it out for our good. If we faint not, if we keep believing, if you stay spiritually minded, which is just believing in, in his promises, somehow... And you might not see it today, but hold on. Stick with this book. Stick with the promises of this book. The battle isn't yours. The battle is the Lord's. When you are in Christ Jesus, the battle is His. All you need to to do is stand. And God has never lost a battle, has He? And He never will. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.